Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, what up? What up, listeners? Welcome to Rice Asian Comedy Podcast sharing the Asian perspective on entertainment, sports, and trending topics. The reason why we wanted to do this podcast is it is May 1st, which is Asian Heritage Month. It is. Yeah, so first, the first topic today is um, what does your Asian heritage mean to you and how does it play a part in your life? Um, Amy? Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm first? Okay. So I actually grew up in China for 18 years. And then I came to live in this little town called Marka, which is kind of China. So I wouldn't say there's a huge cultural shock to me mm. because I've been immersed in this Chinese culture all the time. Mm. So pretty much my entire family still keeps in about the Asian heritage. You know, we take Chinese New Year very, very seriously, probably more serious than Christmas. And we still keep mm. all our, you know, cultural tradition, you know, the food and, um, and you know, the celebration and during Spring Festival, we'll still visit our Chinese neighbors and friends and give them wrap mm. packets and say, Gong hei fa cai or Gong xi fa cai. <laughs> it means, I hope you get rich. Mm-hmm. Just like what Ronnie Chiang says, we will, we will also hope they say that back to us. So we help each other get rich. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I did, I did, I'm aware of the Asian Heritage Month. Really nice to come together as a community and celebrate it and raise awareness about Asian culture. But in the meantime, for me, myself, because I'm already immersed in such a, such an Asian populated environment in general, mm. I, I feel a very strong sense of community already. <laughs> mm. Yes. Cool, cool. Um, Josh? Uh, for me, I was, uh, I came to Canada when I was like two years old. So more or less uh, grown up in, in Canada. Um, I would say in terms of like kind of my identity towards a lot of the more detailed elements of like, say what it means to grow up you know, Chinese, I would say like, there's a bit of a balance, you know, I would do certain things um, with my with my family. Uh, I don't think we did too much within the community, like every family is a little different. But even when it comes to I guess, kind of this, um, this month of May, where it's like, uh, Asian, Asian heritage, I guess, like growing up, I never really heard much about that. Um, I don't I'm not sure if like new immigrant families coming to Canada, 
is fully aware that like a month is set up for Asians uh, because I think new immigrants are like more worried about, you know, getting their family set up, you know, dealing with like living in a completely new country, new language, new environment, and then trying to raise their kids in that environment. So I, I think there's, it's an interesting that there is an Asian Heritage Month, but I'm not too sure, like say new, new families coming in are fully aware of it. Mm-hmm. And if you're a kid growing up and like yeah. your parents don't really tell you about it, then it's like, you don't know about it yeah. yourself. Yeah. So I think, My, yeah. My my family, you are not aware of it at all. <laughs> yeah, so I think I'd I'd be interested to like, <laughs> unfortunately, if, if there is some way where it's like it could be, I guess more put out there, um, amongst like even like CBC like um, Asians versus like new fresh off the boat Asians. Yeah. No, Ancho for sure. Yeah. So um, I actually heard about this maybe like. Uh, maybe 10 years ago or something like that, that there was like the actual existence of it. And I was like, that's not a real thing. It just sounds made up. Right. And then, um, because, but it also, I, it's because I didn't realize that it's not just the Canadian thing. Right. It's like a, like a worldwide mm-hmm. type thing. So I think that that's awesome, especially like kind of the direction that we're all heading now. It's just like the awareness of all of this stuff and be able to celebrate how many different Asian cultures that there are. That's something that's like, very interesting to me you know and um even when we were starting our asian comedy writing group i didn't realize that all of the races that were involved were all considered asian even like i i I actually um my family's from hong kong so um they already are like acting as if they're the top asian people out of everyone for some since i was a kid right so i have no awareness of that i'm everybody just considered like asian the word asian was just chinese for so many years when i was growing up let alone like to this level so right now like this huge like um experience of being of uh you know my background is chinese and then uh trying to figure out my Canadian identity already was such a challenge for me. And you guys are like, yeah, it's like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty well adjusted. That's what Josh said. I'm like literally the opposite of that. I would say of like when I was growing up, it was like, I actually was like, okay, I'm supposed to be more white. And then I would like go and try and be more white and I would fail at that. And then I would be at Chinese school being like, okay, I need to be more Chinese. And then I would like try and do that. And I would fail at that. So it's like, I'm like stuck in the middle of like really just, very confused about my identity a lot of times and so to be able to like have um, a month where it's like hey go and like explore all the other asian um uh, identities one of the things that i i love about uh connecting to different asian people and people of color is like i'm like hey i'm really like messed up because i don't know what what i'm supposed to do with all of these identities that i'm trying to like throw inside of myself and then everybody's like oh my gosh me too I'm really messed. And then that's where like the bond is. It's not like even about language. A lot of times it's about like really solving the, the mm. identity crises that we kind of grew up with um, because we're always being pushed and pulled to be more of something. And in reality, it's like, Hey, we're, it should just be okay that we just are where we're at. And I think that that's what uh, hopefully by the end of um, uh, Asian heritage month, a lot of the um, newer um, Asian, well, newer people to accept their Asian identity um, is something that I would love for people to learn more of. Because for me, it's like, since I knew about the Asian Heritage Month for so many years, it's like, I've consistently done that every year. And like, uh, accepting that it's like, no, I need to be more loving to all the other Asian um, races, because there really wasn't that when I first um, 
mm. when I was younger. My parents were definitely disconnected from that. So um, yeah, it is a celebration and it being like the first of the month, I think that it's up to us. Uh, it's like what we do for New Year's. We should all be like, all right, what are our Asian Heritage Month resolutions, guys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that- no. Well, well, definitely all my Chinese New Year resolutions have fallen by the wayside <laughs> at this point. So maybe it is That's time true. to uh, to renew to renew that. Sure. What about you, Bong? So um, my background's interesting. So sort of like what you're saying, Anto, about like the different parts of Asia. So I kind of feel like I represent a lot of that because I am a total mutt. Like I'm part Laos, I'm part Thai, and I'm part <laughs> Chinese. So for me, I get, you know... Well, well, number one, I, I get that gives me four New Year's because the North American New Year, and then each a lot of a lot of non-Asians don't know this, but like every Asian country has their own New Year's, which is actually a bit of a pet peeve of mine because people get mad when I call it Chinese New Year instead of Lunar New Year. But I was like, yeah. but it actually is the Chinese New Year because Lunar New Year. Like, I, I've always felt like you know if you have to take away the history of something to make it more inclusive then you're kind of losing the point with one exception i will say the vietnamese do have um a uh, a valid point because of how they um they really do celebrate it as much as the chinese because of um the the large uh the large chinese population in um in uh, in vietnam so when when vietnamese people complain about me not saying lunar new year i'll accept that but everybody else no. <laughs> um so for for me my, my parents were hardcore so I, I came to canada i immigrated when i was three years old so canada is basically all i've all i've known but my parents um we immigrated to an area of winnipeg where like it was all Asians. Like my school was like ninety percent Asian. We had one white kid and two black kids, and like we literally, and we like beat up that white kid like every day. It was like awful. So, what one thing that was instilled in me that I, I was really lucky was that I never had this identity crisis of like wanting to be white, which really happened. Um, I really saw when I moved to Calgary where most of my friends there were like, oh, I was the only Asian kid. And by the way, parents, if you are coming to a new country and you're putting your kid where they're the only um, <laughs> Asian or only minority in that school, don't do that. That traumatizes people. I'm so fortunate Very I didn't much. get yeah. that done. And, you know, I, 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 I totally get why parents do that because they want people to, um, to learn the new culture and to assimilate to the culture. And I think with Asian Heritage Month, it's really important to talk about that because my parents were the opposite. Um, they were like president of the Thai Association, president of the Lao Association. They were like, there is no way you're forgetting your heritage. There is no way we had to go to like the temple Every Sunday, we had to go to... I had to take Lao school, Thai school, and Chinese school every Sunday. <laughs> and then and then we had to go... And then, um, and then we, we also had to go to Christian church because our sponsor family forced us to go. So it'd be like, it'd have to go to, like, the Buddhist temple, then Christian church. It was, like, all crazy. Oh. But they were like, there's no way you're going to forget who you are. So I definitely come from it from, like, a fortunate place. 
Um, and I think because it's funny because the more they pushed me to really love my heritage, it made me also love Canada and love my heritage more because then you see what's good and what's bad about both. So you can appreciate the differences instead of just trying to like ignore one or the other. Um, and so I, the, the second question to the topic, and I think some of you have already answered it is, you know, have you, had you actually heard of Asian heritage? And really, I hadn't until last year. Um, so for oh, me, I, and that was basically because I was doing the Asian comedy showcase. And I was yeah. like, oh, what month should I put it in? I was like, I wonder if there's like an Asian month. And there was. So for me, it's not just Asian heritage month. I call it like white guilt month. Because... <laughs> If you, so it's like, if, if I contact the press most of the year, they kind of like ignore me. But if I contact them during May and say, oh, this is Asian Heritage Month, then you know most of them are like, they won't admit that they've never heard of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're like, Damn. oh yeah, oh yeah, Asian Heritage Month, let's do a story on that. But little do they know that like, none of my Asian friends have ever heard of it either. So, you know, leverage, leverage everything. You, well, you there's can two count. white guilt months then, because uh, February <laughs> is already white guilt month. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so they should feel guilty all year round. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so topic number two is the Michael Jordan documentary on Netflix, The Last Dance. So before it's taking the world by storm, obviously people don't have any sports to watch. So this sports documentary is taking them back to like the dream team, you know, the early nineties, all this kind of stuff. So before we jump into the topic, let's watch a trailer. And here we go. You guys not allowed? Nah, I'm just kidding. What time is it? Big My mentality was to go out and win at any cost. Jordan is the most talented player in the NBA by far. The show of the 90s, the team of the 90s. How you feeling? Whenever they speak Michael Jordan, they should speak Scottie Pippen. We created an image that people want to live up to. I think that's all you can hope for. By State Farm and Reese's. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so first question is, am I the only person on this? Uh, podcast who has seen this documentary no i watch it right away yeah i oh, was literally okay, watching, <laughs> i was literally watching episode three right up until now nice. okay great so what are your first impressions and also take us back to that time in your life were you um like is the documentary all new to you or were you old enough to be back then did you follow the dream team um mm. what did it mean to you uh josh uh they meant nothing because <laughs> I was like, I came to Canada in 94. I was two years old, right? And like my parents were academics, so they didn't really know much about like local sports. I didn't hear much about it. 
So I didn't know anything about any like North American sports or that culture um, all the way through the 90s. I think the only time I really paid attention to Michael Jordan was when Space Jam came out. Mm. And I think that was my only real connection. Like, and look, looking back on it, like it would have been, it would have been great to have at least maybe one standout memory or if we're watching a basketball game, but like my parents didn't have time to watch any sports. So they, they had no, no inkling of it. So I never had any really influence only really in the last few years have I started like watching basketball only a couple of years ago when the Raptors were, you know, getting, were very more, much more consistent. Did I start watching it more in more detail? And only last year did I really like learn more about the details of the game. So like, mm. it is very interesting to me to like watch the documentary and learn a lot about it, about that time um, when it was happening. But yeah, no, no idea the greatness was happening. Mm. Anto? Yeah, so I actually have a similar story in terms of uh, only starting to watch it maybe around 2014. So I've been watching basketball for about six years now. And when I was a kid, I remember hearing about Michael Jordan and about like the whole um, team and everything, but more so like, you know how uh, like very popular culture talked about it. So it was much more on the surface. So when they, um, I actually knew more about Dennis Rodman than I knew about. Mm. actually. Um, so when I was watching like the whole documentary, the first couple episodes, I was like, this is some crazy stuff. It's so in depth about Michael Jordan. And then they would say all the stuff about Dennis Rodman. And I was like, how do I know everything about Dennis Rodman and know <laughs> nothing about Michael Jordan? But that's kind of what it was like. Cause he was uh, more of a um, more popular figure in terms of like regular popularity and, and uh, all of his antics and things like that. So um, to actually see the basketball side and why they're both geniuses mm. in their own way, I thought that was really special. And it actually connected um, to comedy a bit for me in terms of like just showing how everybody approaches comedy so differently. And it's like everybody has a different way in which they they, they look mm. at it. And um, for even Dennis Rodman, he in college, he was really good at basketball and he was scoring a lot. But then when he went to the NBA, it was like, oh, I see that this is something that nobody is doing. I'm going to be the best at rebounding and defense to this level. And it's like, that's really interesting to me because it's like, maybe that's what's happening right now, even in, in our um, Asian comedy community. It's like, not everybody should be trying to fight to be the top person at the front of the stage of everything. It's like, there's so much that needs to be done as like a collective and as like a group, you know? So yeah. it's things to think about uh, in that way. And it's it was really exciting to see how everybody kind of had this um, interesting, uh, their own individual stories. But when they spoke of it, it was like what made them all extremely successful was how they were like, yeah, but if I was able to be myself the best that I could, I was able to contribute to the team so that I could win. And that's why um, I love the Phil Jackson stuff. Like, yeah, they see how he approached uh, dealing with um, uh, the way that uh, Dennis Rodman was and all of his antics. Mm. That day was amazing to see. I was so impressed by that. And uh, I really hope that it like made people realize like how incredible Phil Jackson's mindset was. It was like, if that's what you need to do to be at your best, let's figure that out and let's work as a team to like, make sure that that happens. And it was like, everybody stood up. Cause it's like, uh, even Michael Jordan was affected. Yeah. But he had to go and get Dennis Rodman out of his bed. That was one of the mm -hmm. things, you know, so I just thought it was such a, an interesting documentary. And, um, even they, uh, you know, connecting with the whole idea of, of uh, the Raptors, you guys are saying, but Nick Nurse actually connected with um, Phil Jackson in the summer. And that was something that um, mm. he ended up doing before all this stuff. So imagine how much he learned from him uh, when he was probably like 
what if we get a new player? What if Kawhi comes in? How would we be able to like deal with his antics or deal with his like lifestyle and the way that he is, right? So I loved that. I saw such like a, a beautiful um, connection with all of it. And then to be able to get to the levels that they were, it was only when they all were like, we got to do this together. We got to make sure that that's happening in that way, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah, I hope that it wasn't because of what I said that she wanted to leave. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh- <laughs> no, I, I saw a message on her computer saying it was going to reboot in seven minutes. And then okay. in seven minutes, it just rebooted. Yeah, I'm yeah. Not- so, so for me, the documentary is interesting because I'm obsessed with basketball ever since I was a little kid. Um, I'm obsessed with, with most sports, but I'd say basketball is one of the top sports. Like, I am hardcore, hardcore LeBron fan. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's kind of funny because Michael Jordan has an interesting place in my life because I find... Um, so as you all know, like LeBron has a lot of haters, but the first question I always ask his haters is, are you a Michael Jordan fan? And yeah. like, almost all of them are because because if, if, if you take away the whole Michael Jordan thing and people being threatened of who's better or whatever, like you look at LeBron, he's like such a good advocate. He actually mm-hmm. speaks out on social issues. He's married to his high school sweetheart. Like, he's literally done nothing wrong. Like, the only reason I hate him is honestly if you like Michael Jordan. So, for me, Jordan was like, I like Jordan, but he's also the reason why everybody hates LeBron for, like, no real no real reason. But, um, you know, the interesting thing, like, sort of to tie it back to, to Asia is, like, the Dream Team, the 92 Dream Team, you know, when they played at the Olympics, it really sparked something in China and in quite a few different parts of Asia, where right now, outside of the U.S., China is the top market. Um, They've got, like, the second biggest league in the world. They pay players um, the highest salary outside of the U.S. You know, obviously, the Euro League is huge. There's stuff in Australia as well, but China, for sure. And, of Mm. course, you know, Hong Kong is also known, but other parts of Asia as well. You know, I I can't think of a single Filipino friend who doesn't like <laughs> go crazy on like basketball, right? So you know, one one thing I wanted to to ask is like, what is it about basketball of all sports mm. that has really taken hold in Asia in a way that sports like even say soccer haven't taken hold? You know, like China almost alone is propelling um, the NBA and basketball to like the number three sport in the world Mm. yeah Mm. i think that one of the the that i noticed that uh uh, makes china and asia in general really love like basketball i think some of the icons that we've had have been really special like um i don't know if you guys know but yao ming being in the league in seven years he was an all-star all seven years, right? And, like, mm. when Sanity hit, that was, like, epic. Mm. Like, absolutely crazy. Um, I also think it's um, because of, uh, even though you may be uh, the size difference that you might have, uh, if you're able to shoot really well, if you can play tenacious defense, like, all these different things that kind of add up for that. And it's also, um, I think there's a lot of, like, uh, um, there's so much going on that like certain people can play roles and things like that. I, I think that there's like a, an element of that as well, that, that, um, is exciting for, uh, Asian people. But I think in general, I think the sport of basketball has just exploded, um, all over the world. It's not just in Asia. 
Uh, I think that all over, people are so crazy about it. And all of Canada, for sure, in the last couple of years, they've been absolutely crazy about basketball. And even myself, I used to not be a big basketball fan. And then I started dating someone who's, uh, whose father mm. had like season tickets. And then so I started going to the games. And I was like, man, this is actually way better. Like, I used to think it was like, why do we need to score every like five, like five to 10 seconds um, just to be interested in the game, you know, like, cause I used to watch like soccer and I used to watch like hockey and stuff. So I was like, mm-hmm. basketball is like the game for people who have short attention spans. That's what I thought. Right. And then I finally watch a game and I was just being a hater. And then I watched the game and I was like, <laughs> this is so exciting. Like you're always on the edge of your seat. Cause you don't know what's going to happen. They could mm-hmm. go on a run, you know, like a 10 point run in like a minute. And you're like, what the game was just a dip. Like, I was there for the 30-point comeback uh, against the Mavs um, last year. Um, and it was just like they were down by 30. And then it was like maybe like five minutes later. And it was like they were yeah. up by one point. And I was just like, I, I've never seen them down by 30, let alone see them come all the way back. I was actually on the verge of like leaving uh, before the fourth mm. quarter. Which I've never done. So I think wow. there's a lot of interest in that way because um, it, it's just the game is exploding and people are able to see kind of like why it's been so special this whole time because it's been doing its own thing for a long time but it really in the asian community i think has exploded and we see a lot more asian people who are excited about it too because i can definitely agree with you my all my filipino friends rep mm. literally all day every day they like have like five jerseys and shit and they're just wearing it like every day mm-hmm. so um i really see that that's been uh, it's much more openly acceptable and excited for people to enjoy basketball now i think Mm. Yeah, like definitely, I definitely get what you're saying. It's popular across all of Canada. Um, but one thing you definitely notice is the demographics are really diverse. Very definitely over indexes with Asians versus other sports. Like if you go to a hockey game, there's no yeah, Asians very little. Because... Yeah, there's no Asians. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, Amy, welcome back. <laughs> but uh, sorry about that. No, my, my laptop just auto restarted. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. That's that's a Windows thing. It it used to happen. Yeah, to it's me. a Windows thing. Yeah, when I used to have an office job and like uh, Windows would just like literally just shut off in the middle of a important client meeting, and it was just yeah, like, this is oh. ridiculous. Um, but okay, Amy. Um, same question to you. Why do you think Asians are so obsessed with basketball more so than probably any other culture, other than obviously Black culture? I'm speaking from my own experience. So mm-hmm. it has it has something to do with the Asian cheapness because <laughs> we don't want to pay that much for sports. Yeah, uh, basketball is one of the lower maintenance team sports besides badminton and ping pong. <laughs> Which, and I play both of them. And I also play basketball. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't take a lot to, you know, to really set up a basketball team and, you know, set up the, you know, the court and whatnot. You just need a, you need a, you need a hoop and then a ball and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing, I think it has something to do with uh, definitely the culture that we were raised in. Um, I remember that there were a lot of Japanese anime and Chinese TV drama that promote, you know, the, you know, the attractive male characters as a basketball player. Mm, and our teenager, like teenagers of my year, like of my generation, grew up being inspired by that. And, you know, Yao Ming, Yao Ming is like huge back in the, you know, 2000s. And, 
even now, like it's he's still an icon. And mm-hmm. I remember during my uh, junior high and high school year, all the Chinese girls would just rush out of the classroom to you know watch and fangirl over all the guys that play basketball. And mm-hmm. there were this myth amongst our classmates that if you play basketball, you are you can grow taller. And mm. all of my, <laughs> you know, my all of my, you know, the boys in my class, they all want to grow taller. Yeah. You know, the mm. Asian there's no Asian guy who doesn't want to grow taller. That's why it's so popular. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it's usually it's always the most effective trick to, to get girls. And because mm. usually when a girl have a crush on a guy, like a basketball player, the best way is to wait beside a court and then just pass a bottle of water when the guy finish. Mm. Oh, mm. interesting. Yeah, they, it's, it's that, actually a thing. Yeah. You say that a bit slower. I'm just taking some notes from my childhood. I, I got to... <laughs> <laughs> for your future kids, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, and, yeah. and and Josh, what are what are your thoughts about basketball in the Asian community? I, I think um, what Amy said is is very true. I was under the same kind of mindset. Uh, I think during the '90s, when when like China started to open up to the world, like basketball was the biggest sport at the time, with like Michael Jordan being like the biggest kind of superstar icon. And I think that element of the culture and then the shoe culture that came along with it, like it was so distinct that I think if you're interested or curious about international, you know, the international scene or Western culture, then that was something you could gravitate towards. Um, Similarly with like the playing uh, basketball and like getting taller. I actually, I was under, I remember going back to China in either like 09 or even younger, like, Oh, four oh three or something and i just remember like seeing a ton of like um basketball courts just filled with with kids playing basketball and they were all like pretty tall pretty tall guys so like i think that interest for some reason i don't know like scientifically if there is a if there's a connection between like jumping up and down or just like just having to reach for things where that's like that mixed in with like when you're when you're going through puberty or like the the fact that like China economically, the middle class was getting stronger. They, they could buy more better um, nutrient foods, more protein. Like that helps as well with, with the growth element, just for some reason, like everybody there I noticed was a lot taller than I expected. Yeah. So I think, yeah, that like, there's a, there's a much more distinct uh, and more accessible kind of culture around it uh, on a global scale than I think for a lot of different ones. Um, yeah, that, that I guess that's that would be you're my. You're pretty tall too, aren't you, Josh? How tall are you? I'm like five nine. Oh my god, that's so tall for an Asian dude. Um, that's that's pretty good for an Asian dude. <laughs> I, remember, like, I remember back then there was like a lot of Asian guys I could see around like kind of six six foot or six foot. yeah, like well, obviously like playing basketball, but you know, like the kind of the Yao Ming or like the big. Um, kind of lanky body type there's i remember there are a lot of like guys around like that kind of had that lanky basketball player type of body yeah, yeah. Mm. well you know they out yao ming right like they planned it out so that he would get as tall as he would do you guys know about that no but how, like, how, like, they actually got the tallest uh the center from the male team uh and they introduced him to the center for the the women's team and they were like 
please fall in love. <laughs> <laughs> and then together, and then they had Yao Ming. So like both <laughs> were the, the tallest people on their teams, and they were the centers. And then oh. they ended up taking Yao Ming, and he became like the most famous center, like um, <laughs> guy, because wow. he was like seven wow. six, seven six, I think. Um, wow. They're like super tall too, so yeah, so, it's crazy. So, so what you're telling me is the Communist Party centrally planned Yao Ming. <laughs> yeah. <Wow. laughs> they did, they did, yeah, yeah. That's that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, great. So let's go to our final topic of the day. Um, and it is sadly a segment that will be a regular because there's no shortage of what I call Asian haters, <laughs> especially yeah. with coronavirus. So today's hater of the day is one of the conservative MPs, um, mm -hmm. recently came out and asked for Dr. Teresa Tam to be fired because he was asking if she's a Chinese operative. So um, before we jump in, I am going to turn on my light. play a clip. Mm -hmm. well, continue. Continue. Teresa Tam, uh, we sent an email out today asking, does she work for Canada? Or for China. Conservative leadership candidate Derek Sloan making serious allegations against Dr. Theresa Tam, Canada's chief public health officer. In a video posted to social media, Sloan attacks Tam's integrity, accusing her of working with the Chinese government and hampering Canada's efforts to fight COVID-19. One of the issues with uh, Justin Trudeau's handling of this uh, situation has been his reliance on the advice of Dr. Teresa Tam. Tam has been front and center since the pandemic hit. She is the face of the fight against COVID-19. The Prime Minister not impressed with Sloan's comments. Intolerance and racism have no place in our country. Other Liberal and NDP members have blasted Sloan's comments, calling them vile and shameful. Despite the backlash, Conservative leader Andrew Scheer refused to condemn Sloan's comments. As I just said, I just, I just answered that question. Uh, we're going to, uh, I don't comment on individual statements that leadership candidates make. It's up for the membership to decide. Sloan's video comes at a time when Canada's Asian community is seeing a spike in racist incidents related to COVID-19. In Vancouver, a 92-year-old Asian man with dementia was targeted this week in what police called a racially motivated attack. So, like, it's very disturbing that we have uh, increasing incidences of anti-Asian racism um, and anti-Chinese racism that's going on right now. Kong was also deeply disturbed that Conservative leader Andrew Scheer refused to address the comments. That's scary, right? I think uh, that's scary for, like, for me as someone from the Chinese-Canadian community. I think it's scary for, for Asians. It's, it's scary for, you know, uh, racialized minorities to, to, to sort of see that, um, that there can be really no basis for any kind of accusations and they can just be made. Sloan was not available for an interview. In Ottawa, Nigel Newlove, City News. So there we go. There we go. So not only is he an MP, the Derek Sloan jackass, but he's running for the leadership of the Conservative Party. Mm -hmm. um, so he's high profile. I guess he's trying to get attention. I don't know what's wrong with him. But like, obviously, our whole lives, we've you know, how to deal with idiots like this. But, um, you know, first, what are, what are your reactions? 
And so you look, you look, at the like, I was multiple times like, are they serious that this is real? Like, what the hell? Like, especially like when the, the, the funny part I thought that made me laugh out like in a negative way was like the, the leader of the conservative party. Like if that Derek Sloan, like idiot is going to actually run for a conservative, he's going to do a better job than that. Andrew Shear guy, the guy literally babbled for like a minute being like, Oh, but I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not, you know, like, he doesn't know what he's talking What an idiot. Like, so both of them are clearly, they just don't understand. Like, and obviously they're both super white and they just clearly come from like a very disconnected, like, you know, they probably have really small bubbles of all, mostly white people around them. Like it's not something that they're really exposed to probably. So for them, it's just like, Oh my God, I'm going to read stuff on the internet. And um, cause I don't think that the, it looked at all like the, um, the guy, the Sloan guy at all, um, he was really understanding exactly what her role is. Like, I think that um, people have mentioned previously that she uh, also um, has connections to the World Health Organization. That was the main thing that people were criticizing, you know, but it's like, she's just clearly working every day to try and make this better. If anybody's watched the news, she's talking to the media the most, like out of even more than Justin Trudeau is. She's working her ass off to try and make this better. And then all of these racialized attacks are happening. And then people think that it makes any sense to come out and like it to me that that's like clearly just racism. And like, I, I like that um, Trudeau was so succinct about his thing. It's like, this is just clear racism, you know, like, cause it really is. And um, to be able to see like an old man, like the guy being so old and like, and being pushed like that, like that is so ridiculous to me and so painful to watch because it's like, I'm sure many of us uh, with our grandparents and like my grandparents have all passed and like, it hurt really hurts me to be able to see like people who are treating the elderly this way. And it's like, there's already such a high risk right now. Um, there's a huge risk right now of many of the, um, the, the old folks homes uh, to actually be like filled with uh, COVID-19. And a lot of the, the ones, especially up in like Markham, Richmond Hill, things that have a lot of Asian elderly are actually being affected right now too. So it's like, it's so sad that this is happening. And then on top of that, we also have to juggle like, you know, these idiots as well. To me, like, it's so sad. Um, I really think that this is an important thing to, to continuously bring up and be like, hey, this is also our month of the year. Let's keep making sure that obviously it's an uncomfortable conversation, but it's like, I think it's important for us to share. I think it's important for people to know that this is the type of stuff that's happening because a lot of sheltered uh, Asian people as well, even I would say myself to a certain extent, I'm not fully exposing myself to a lot of the racism that's happening on the streets. So it's important for me to not only see these videos, but also be able to like uh, have these types of discussions and kind of see like what is happening out there. Cause it usually is some like just a, a ignorant white dude who somehow made it into power. He probably had like a, an acceptable type job. And then, and then people just voted him in cause he's part of conservative, you know, for me, it's like really sad that this is the people that are, are running the country in that sector and but i'm just really happy and i've never said this really before but i'm happy that justin trudeau is our uh prime minister right now compared yeah. to that andrew Shear was the other guy that people were voting for are you kidding me he couldn't even like say anything like he couldn't even i'm just not gonna comment i've been watching a lot of um murder mysteries and documentaries and stuff and that's the same type of answer that they always give they're like i'm not gonna comment on that and it's like 
we know that this is a guilty minded person. This guy clearly is just an idiot, you know? So yeah. that is my two cents. I could go on all day about this. I'm so like, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Hey, Amy, how did, what's your reaction to that report? Somebody coming after one of us, <laughs> coming, our chief medical officer. It's ridiculous. Like, it's, I, I just can't believe that this kind of person is running for conservative party. Like, it's ridiculous. It's 2020. Mm. And I was, I, I personally was verbally attacked by a white lady on the street, mm. actually a few weeks ago, um, for wearing masks. And that was before uh, Justin Trudeau's speaking moistly video came out that was before that so mask was I, I i would say people were not aware of the importance of mask but they obviously chinese people who were masked in public were perceived as the patients mm. but we were masked because that's what's encouraged that's what is mandatory back in china because we uh, like we want to take the you know the safest precaution, right? So I was wearing a mask, I was wearing gloves, I was riding a bike down the street, and then this lady literally opened her arm and would be like, "What the hell? You should go home. Why are you here? What's wrong with you?" And I was like, "I'm not sick." I literally said, "I'm not sick." <laughs> That's literally what I said. I'm not sick. Oh, did you run her over? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, I just rode my bike and just, just passed by. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then later I made a post on Facebook about it to raise awareness and hope, hoping mm. that, you know, to voice, to kind of speak up for on behalf of Chinese. I was surprised because I live in a very, you know, Asian community. It's in Markham. It's like near Mafia Mall and Nuneville area. And this thing still happens. Mm. And I hope it's just a minority. I hope it's not a majority of the, you know, the the mainstream culture because otherwise it will it will be it will be sad. It it, it will be pretty sad. Mm. That lady must be so tired, like going around telling Chinese people to wear masks like, who are wearing masks to go home. Like that's so I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Oh my god. Hey Josh. Yeah, that's pretty rough. Um, I'm, uh, I'm not necessarily surprised that this type of stuff is going to start, you know, becoming more common. Um, I think it, it is an interesting strategy from the conservative party because a lot of, I think a lot of Asian voters, like our parents or older are generally more conservative. I, I think that like the Asian community itself is on a political spectrum, a little bit more conservative than usual. So, you know, if you're going to have a leader who's going to be out there just dropping these, you know, kind of racial dog whistle comments, you know, you know, if you want to alienate your Asian voters for, for that, then, okay, go ahead. I know, like, for me, like, I'd never vote conservative. I mean, there's just certain things never. on that kind of sensibility where you can kind of tell they're catering to a certain demographic over, you know, other demographics. So I just don't think like they have the interests when it comes to that area in, in my mindset. Um, and I think it's, it's a, it's kind of similar to the general playbook of a lot of like say conservative, more national type of nationalistic type of uh, perspectives where they can 
rile up their base or they can try to stoke all this pent up frustration over what you know COVID-19 is doing to a lot of these different families and like these could be middle lower class upper class families but it's just if these families are frustrated by lack of you know jobs uh, having to stay home like even family members dealing with coronavirus or have been killed by coronavirus there's like it's a terrible situation that there isn't a direct way to let out your frustration and the easiest way like it, it sucks to say it but i think the easiest way is to direct it towards what you see out there and what you can attach this experience to and in general that's just going to have to be asians in china because it came out of china yes but like it's spread through other means now but that's the easiest optical connection you can make and if you don't have a a direct connection with an asian community if you don't have a very good friend who can you can show you that different perspective it's easy to fall into that and i think it's 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 just what certain people in in certain political party groups are going to try and take advantage of try and stoke it a little bit and i think it's going to be a tough situation moving forward because it's it's only going to increase more when more and more families are are losing their jobs are seeing the economic hardship are getting sick so it's something i think we all have to like adapt and deal to deal with moving forward um but yeah i don't think it's it's definitely not good leadership to have some guy call out your top doctor just based on the optics like if if the uh, it's pretty simple if the doctor was white he can criticize him for his, you know, performance, but he would never ass- make the comment that that a white doctor would be working for China. Like that wouldn't yeah. that wouldn't even cross his mind. So he can kind of, you know, try to make up excuses. It's like, oh no, I was talking rhetorically because, mm-hmm. like, I think that's what his his best excuse was. Is like putting it out there. It's like, what are you gonna? Who are you working for? Canada or China? Rhetorically, but obviously, it's a it's a clear kind of specific comment that you wouldn't make in another context. Yeah. And so the, historically Canadian doctor did work for China during World War II. Oh yeah. Beth Yun. Uh, Bai Chiu and yeah, Beth yeah. Yun. I, I yeah. can only pronounce his Chinese name, Bai Chiu, and that's that's what I remember. But yeah, yeah. And that's what we grew up being educated on. You know, you know, Canada's a very friendly country to us mm-hmm. because they helped us in the past when we were having difficult time. So it's yeah. just sad to that this kind of thing happens in 2020. Yeah, and I think China, the Chinese pop culture in general, uh, has a pretty good impression of China. Like there's uh, what are they, uh, Beth Yoon, Bai Tioin, and then there's um, Daniel, he's also Canadian. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think there's another guy, but he wasn't as big as Dashen. Oh yeah, Tashan. he was Tashan. Canadian, right? Yeah, he's Canadian. Yeah, he's yeah. and he, he speaks perfectly fluent Chinese. He's yeah, really guys, big. Those guys always speak uh, really good Chinese. Mandarin. Yeah. yeah. Mandarin, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting, Josh. You touched upon the the politics of this and you know, it's a funny thing in Ontario because for the for the last provincial election, Asians got a lot of the blame from liberals that we helped um, that we helped uh, elect the conservative government, which is like ridiculous because Asians make up like 10% of the population. And 
I'm sorry, but Doug Ford's conservative base is angry white guys. <laughs> like, and, and I'm not even saying that in like an a anti-white racist way. If you talk to people who work in politics, that's actually a demographic. It's called <laughs> angry white guys. Like, if you can get the angry white guy, that's actually a target demographic. Like, when they're targeting ads, that's actually a core group they go after. So, you know, so, you know, we've got like these conservatives running for leadership being like, you know, all racist on us. And then we have, you know, liberals being like, oh, you, you guys are the reason why the, the conservatives are in power. It's just like, it's just, it's just so dumb. The funny thing is that this guy, he's like hardcore. Like, so yeah. he actually, um, there, there was a follow-up story to this where he put out a, a statement. And so his official slogan is conservatism without apologies. So he wouldn't apologize. He doubled down saying they should fire her without any evidence. Um, and he's, to me, basically like, you know, scum of the earth and basically reminds me of too many people I, that I've had to deal with in my life. And I think the interesting thing is, is before this, you know, um, like when we've done like Asian events in the past and like, oh, sorry, um, had, had a bit of a twitchy itch there. Um, so <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, you know, so I think it's interesting because before this happened, I feel like there were younger Asians who were going around and there was like this whole movement. Um, I even talked about this in my comedy of like how um, Asians weren't considered racialized minorities anymore like for arts funding mm -hmm. and all this and like companies like facebook and google when they do their diversity report they actually put the asians with the white people so we don't even count in it's, the minority group anymore that's yeah crazy. yeah so it, like for hr departments where and then for whatever reason so like you know i, I do this whole joke about how you know we're not considered racialized minorities and not like we've been delisted and a lot of times I'll get like Asians in the audience like cheering, like, oh yeah, we've made it, we've made it. And I'm like, well, no. And I know this is like before the coronavirus, the COVID-19 thing, but for me, I guess I've just been so scarred that I was like, just because they're not attacking us right this minute. Mm, yeah. I've been told to go back to China so many times in my life on a daily basis, there is no way that that has all just disappeared. So it just made me really sad seeing like some of the younger generation or even yeah. older people who are just like, oh, like there is no such thing as racism. Like I'm totally equal, just like Google tells me I am. Now and I'm like, just by numbers, that's really what it is. That's like people clearly who are not Asian themselves and have never experienced like what it is that we we have experienced in terms of like uh, upholding our own like identities and things. Like it clearly is just a numbers thing. And they're like, oh, there's more numbers here then I guess they're not considered minorities. But it's like, if you've ever lived as an Asian person, you can, you know that you're a minority because you consistently push to not be more Asian yourselves most of the time, especially like growing up. So it's just so sad that like, especially with arts, like like um, funding and stuff, that's that to me is ridiculous. Like that's that's not okay that, that yeah. they don't consider us. Yeah, the, the arts funding, I, I got I got pretty mad at. So I was like, so I don't... So literally, I'm considered, like, white now. And there's certain places like Harvard who actually, um, because Asians over-index of, like... Um, and, and sorry, I'm using, like, marketing terms. So over-indexing is, like, where you're overrepresented represented in a, in a certain group. So for Harvard, 
they'll actually deduct points from Asians and <laughs> Jewish people. Um, wow. Because they, for their quote-unquote diversity quota, it was all going to Asians. So now you actually have to get a higher score. So Asians and Jewish people have to get a higher score than white people to get into Harvard because nobody's saying they're over-indexing. Like, that's ridiculous. Um, so yeah. I'm know, never applying to that school. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was a big thing. There were there were Asians who were they were they were suing um they were suing Harvard because they're like, this yeah. is racist. How can yeah like I, I I guess for me I I do see I do see see the point where like you know there is an advantage if you're from a wealthy Asian family and you can hire tutors and stuff. So I get that we over index and you know I do get there's some minority groups that you know like the indigenous community and especially in the u.s the um the african-american community that should you know maybe um you know you have to look at the social situation and that and compare it but for but for them to give us a disadvantage versus white people you're trying to tell me that it's that like it's harder to be white and that they need to get like extra points versus asians yeah. to get into harvard i was like come on most of your school is white. Like it can't come on now. You can't I tell think, me it is. Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. I think, I think like that, those type of things can be up for discussion. The whole um, China, Chinese community or Asian community having that problem with um, uh, what is it kind of the, Oh, I forgot what the term is, but like separating um, leaving spots open for different like racial groups and stuff like that, where it's it's almost like leaning to a unfair advantage, where it's kind of um, oh, I forgot, I kind of forgot what the track I was going on. But I think in in general that that can be up for discussion. The only thing would be like I don't want it to happen where like other communities, like say black, uh, Latino, under like underprivileged, those communities get even worse of a shake of it as a result of like say the asian community trying to like get even more of a share i think it should be a lot more equalized i think the biggest issue is the whole legacy system that's the most ridiculous thing like in my mind where like you as long as you're you're rich and you're you were like had a couple generations at an ivy league school like you're almost pretty much guaranteed to get your next kid in kind of regardless of their their abilities or whatnot i think that's the one thing that i'm the most like pissed off about but yeah that's a tough that's a tough situation i think it's probably going to go to the supreme court and when it does go to the supreme court there's going to have interesting ramifications about it towards um oh what is that term you know that term right affirmative action affirmative action yeah frick can't believe forgot that term. To watch you do until you got to your uh end point and then uh. i and I tell you, <laughs> I appreciate. It. I appreciate it. letting me work out the problem, but you yeah, know, yeah. I, 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 I forgot. Yeah, I like, like, like for me, I'm totally not against affirmative action. I think there's, you know, I do think that I do think that 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 it's that it's helpful, and there's such inequality in the system that you have to find ways to force the system to be more equal. My only problem is that they deducted points. That's so, crazy versus white people that that's the thing for me i was like okay if you're gonna say that you know you know demographically you see 
you know, Asians having a bit more wealth in North America so they can afford tutors. So, you know, you can't judge them the same as like somebody who grew up in like the, you know, in a, in a poor community um, in, you know, like in, you know, like um, in the, in, in the uh, projects or, or whatever. Okay, I can see that. But to tell me that I need to outdo a white person because they have it harder than me to get into that school, I was like, no, that's no. That's crazy. No. But we that's need to join with our Jewish friends and just <laughs> destroy Harvard. <laughs> yeah. That's, oh my God. I'm, I'm not applying. I'm not yeah, applying. For sure. Yeah, none of us are allowed to apply. We're not allowed to go to Harvard, any of us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm applying for MBA. I'm not applying. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so that is our show. Thank you for coming on to kick off Asian Heritage Month. Um, once again, uh, tell everybody how they can find you um, if they want to learn more about your projects. Josh? Cool, yeah. Um, look me up on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, at Josh Yang Comedy. Uh, those, that's the handle across the board. And uh, if you also go on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, I do the Have We Made It Yet? podcast uh it's released every tuesday uh so you can check that out we already have about uh, a dozen episodes up there already so you can kind of peruse through um but yeah it's going to be a zoom kind of a podcast moving forward until everything's you know better uh but yeah <laughs> yeah thanks for having me on the podcast yeah. okay great amy what do you think you're coming up um Right now, the YouTube channel hasn't been launched yet. We're still in the initial, you know, planning phase. Um, but we, if you, if anyone can add me on, you know, Instagram or Facebook, we, uh, you probably see like our upcoming virtual comedy pub event. If you want to stream in on Zoom, so that's it. Great, and Anto. Yeah. So uh, my Instagram is uh, Anto Punfu. A N T O P U N F U. And uh, I also do a weekly show every single Saturday uh, called the Free Flow Showcase. So you mm -hmm. can actually find that on Instagram as well. Free, F-R-E-E-F-O-L-O-W, Showcase, S-H-O-W-C-A-S-E. Oh, my God. I'm getting good at this. Um, so, uh, but what we do is we actually have a showcase of performers. There's musicians, comedians, um, all artists of different styles. And then they perform. And then at 11 o'clock, we have an open mic. So anybody who wants to do a set, uh, anybody who wants to share, um, it's very open, very flow, like vibes. That's what we call the free flow. It's like uh, very, a lot of hippie vibes. Uh, I host it every single week. Uh, I really am um, wanting to nurture people's like community. Uh, I really want people to be excited about that. Uh, also, we do our uh, Asian writing group as well. So if anybody out there is wanting to learn how to do uh, a little bit of comedy and uh, wants to find a community of uh, uh, Asian writers as well. We do that every single Wednesday too. So uh, find us on there. Yeah. And um, if there's specific links or, um, or handles that you want, just send it to me after this and I'll put it in the episode notes on, on uh, for the podcast and for YouTube as well. Oh, thank um, you. So all right. Thank you so great. much. I really appreciate it. Okay, uh, thank you for being on the show. Thank you to all the listeners. Um, this is the start of Asian Heritage Month, and we're going to try and push out as many episodes as we can this month, not promising anything. But, you know, <laughs> at least for the start of month, it's going to be daily. Um, and then, you know, 
we'll 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 see we'll see how long that lasts. I'm I'm the type of person who uh, who goes overboard at first and then uh, just sort of uh, <laughs> find finds the middle ground afterwards. So there's yeah, no yeah. guarantees, but I'm um, at least for the next few days to launch Asian Heritage Month. We will be here daily. So subscribe or find us on YouTube. It's at Vong Show. It's like Gong Show but with a V. Um, <laughs> And you can find me YouTube, um, on my website, vongshu.com, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, basically everything is the same handle. So, okay, uh, signing off. Have a great Asian Heritage cool. Month and uh, see you next episode. Bye. Thank you for having us. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.